Welcome to Tina, a podcast that digs deeper into the thoughts of teenagers' minds about the wonders of the world. If you're new here, I am your host, Isabella. And I'm Glenn. If you're not, welcome back. Here's a quick disclaimer. If we made any mistakes, please email us and tell us. Thank you. Education is the one thing that everyone will go through in their lives. This month, we will talk about some different types of education and discuss our favorite mode. In the first episode, we will explore different ways that people learn. So there are many ways that people interpret how we learn. Um, it's basically saying that we take in a information, but there are different theories on how we process them. And today we will be focusing on behaviorism, sociocultural learning, and transformative learning. So these are like three types of theory that people came up with. So the first one is behaviorism. And this one, I think we kind of talked about it in the intelligence season. So if you haven't listened to that, you can go listen to that first. Right. So the theory is saying that all behaviors are acquired through conditioning which occurs through interaction with the environment. And this basically means stimulus and response. It means that our behavior, so I learned to flush the toilet, for example. Mm -hmm. It is through some stimulus and response. So I didn't know how to flush the toilet when I was born. But, you know, if I don't flush the toilet, maybe my mom will scold me. So I will know, oh... If I don't flush the toilet, then something bad will happen to me. So I need to flush the toilet. And if I flush the toilet, nothing bad happens to me. I know it's something to do. Mm -hmm. And a way to understand behaviorism is to use the stimulus response theory that I just mentioned. And the theory says that by rewarding or punishing these responses, you can train the person to react in a particular way when faced with a set of stimulus. Mm -hmm. And this type of reward or punishment can then be removed in almost every cases. And the shaped response will continue. Meaning that after you learn something, after you acquire something, that thing will stay. So it's like you have this habit of doing it already. And even though they don't punish or reward you anymore, you will still have the same response when you're faced with something. Right. It's like training a dog. Uh, yeah, kind of. And in fact, these researchers also find that not rewarding or punishing every response will be more effective to, you know, train somebody. So maybe I won't be scolded every time I don't flush the toilet. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't get a response every time, it will be easier for me to internalize the process, saying that I will learn to do that. Mm -hmm. The example that I got from this reading is the example of red lights. So it says that almost all drivers stop at red lights almost every time, even in the middle of nowhere when no one will see you, like literally no one you will still stop at a red light because you're trained to do that. You just see a red light and subconsciously you will just hit the brake. Right. Because when we don't stop at a red light, we 
could get caught. You know, other people could show kind of like a disapproval response to us.、Mm-hmm. So we learned that oh, we should stop. But even in the middle of nowhere, that you're not going to get caught, you'll still do that, right? So you don't like you don't need to have that response every time to do that because you have internalized that process.、Mm-hmm. And a very interesting part I saw in about behaviorism is that outcome-based education is based on this approach. Okay, it's like we don't really care about the process of learning. We care about the outcome, and、mm-hmm. for my interpretation, it means testing. It's like when you're having a physics class, chemistry class, you don't really care about if you have like learned the essence of this, right? Right. But if you know how to like, quote unquote, correctly respond to a test question, then you have a great outcome.、Mm-hmm. Then people will deem that you have learned that. So it means that this type of outcome-based education use the idea of behaviorism to kind of like shape how they teach people, right? Right. So then our type of education would be behaviorism, kind of, right? Yeah, I think. And with the scolding, it kind of convinced me more that people do believe in this type of concept. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one is sociocultural learning.、Um, in this model, learning is kind of a movement, you know, from peripheral participation toward full membership.、Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, if I'm learning to cook today, right? I would first observe, right? Maybe I would wash the vegetables, or I would take something from the refrigerator. These are very peripheral participation because I'm not doing like the main thing. The main thing is cooking, using the pot or whatever to cook. But I learned from peripheral participation, and the more I participate, the more I know, and I just kind of do more and more. You know, from taking things from refrigerator, I start to wash vegetables, maybe start to cut them, and. Maybe I learn to marinate the meat, and maybe start with like, oh, I know how to roast something,、mm. and then I know how to fry them, you know? Yeah. And eventually, I can like put together a whole meal like that.、Mm-hmm. So it's like from very little things, I start to learn more and more and more, and kind of learn all of it. Yeah. And as people learn more about One thing, they will there. You will be more familiar with the key ways of doing things in that community or that profession.、Mm-hmm. And I think this is one very important things that I personally think、um, is something that I would look for when I'm learning.、Mm-hmm. For example, when I'm cooking, like it's it has always been something that I'm very curious about. Like, how do you know if you cook? Because everybody can follow a recipe, yeah, and it's not that hard. I mean, you fail sometimes, like our cookies, but <laughs> right, I didn't follow the recipe completely. But I'm saying that you, how do you know that you you have learned how to cook? How do you know that? Oh, I look at this meat. I know I'm gonna add this much salt. I'm gonna roast it for 
20 minutes, 30 minutes. Like, how do I know? And I think it's very important for this type of learning is that you know the key ways of doing these things. So you're not just following a recipe. You know what's the theory or what's the idea behind all of this. Right, right, yeah. And maybe you know the proportions. You know that you need to add this much water. But you don't just memorize it. You kind of internalize it. This is like a knowledge. It's not something you know. It's something you know how to do. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like learning stuff through experience. Like my mom, she never actually follows any recipes. But like she makes good dinner. At least I consider it very good. And yeah, she, she just kind of like does whatever she wants and it always turns out really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm always like curious about because my mom would be like, okay, maybe I'm going to make a smoothie or I'm going to cook some soup. Mm -hmm. And she'll just put whatever she wants in it. Like sometimes it doesn't even make sense. (laughs) And she'll be like, no, no, trust me. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. That's like the most important for this kind of learning. Right. Is that you know how to do this. Like, you know the the things behind it, right? Um. So in the paper that I read, it gave a sculpture example. It says that, and I quote, The point is not to be able to create the same sculpture as the expert sculpture, but to understand what is required for the learner to create her own or his own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for the teacher, the point is to understand the full range of techniques that can be used with a specific group of students and what effects are likely to be. Basically saying that they need to know the things behind it Mm -hmm. and, you know, use it. Yeah. And one profession that uses this a lot is doctor. Oh, uh uh-huh. Right? Like doctors, they kind of need to watch other doctors first. They are the apprentice, right? Oh, right. It's kind of like a master and apprentice type of thing. Yeah, because it's so based on experience yeah there are no one book that can talk about everything that's like a hundred percent correct sometimes you need to see oh maybe this person is you know wrong with this and wrong with that but you cannot really look it up in a book Mm -hmm. because it's not completely accurate it's different for everyone so you need this type of learning to internalize you need to understand what's behind it Mm -hmm. so i think it's a very great example yeah So for the last one is transformative learning. This one is brought up by Jack Mizuro. It was first using adult learning, saying that people have schema or how we look at the world. Mm -hmm. And obviously we both know schema pretty well. Right. We we learned this in literature class, right? Mm -hmm. Schema is basically how, I guess it's how we connect everything together, like connect Maybe like a oh a word and then you connect it to its roots and it's related like meanings. Or maybe like your personal experience with it. Yeah, like associating everything together. Sort of I would say schema is sort of like a web and you just continue adding more things to it. Yeah. And officially it's called ways of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. And it helps us make sense of what we are seeing. It usually works quite well. So, um, for example, I learned that a rectangular thing that's black and that has image on it running around, that's a screen, right? Mm-hmm. 
So every time I see something like that, I was like, "Oh, that's a screen. I know that. You know,、mm-hmm. that's my way of looking at it." But I think it's a rectang- rectangular thing that couldn't bend, right? Right. That would be weird. Yeah, a screen that can bend. But somewhere, you know, some company comes out with a screen that bends.、Mm-hmm. Just in the news yesterday, but I mean, it's not even new. Yeah, I, I'm just using it as an example. Uh huh. So you need to reshape your schema. Yeah. To make sense of it, and this type of kind of like difference between the world and your understanding is called a disorienting dilemma. Okay. At this point, you're open to learning, but you also need to learn so that the world makes sense again. Because you're like, what? A screen that folds? It doesn't make sense, you know.、Mm-hmm. You need to change your view. And Mazzero argues that it's this type of dilemma, disorienting dilemma, that makes people learn. It produces and resolves kind of like a conflict,、mm-hmm. and you need to solve it with. That specific context.、Mm-hmm. So the example that he gave, it's kind of sensitive, but he says that if I say or if I think that some institution is colorblind, meaning that they don't see different race as different,、mm-hmm. until I see that you know maybe Asians are being treated differently, we're being discri- discriminated against.、Mm-hmm. So at that point, I will experience a. Disorienting dilemma, because it's different from my belief and perceptions. I was like, "What? This institution is supposed to be colorblind."、Mm-hmm. So at this point, I will need to learn that. Oh, maybe it's not, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think this like transformative learning is very important for different generations. Like older generations tend to have different point of views from our generations. Like. They have to go through a lot of this learning as well because a lot of the definitions that we have nowadays for a lot of things are different from like maybe our parents' generation. So like, yeah, they have to learn, still continue to learn. Yeah, for example, homosexual marriages. Right. Like people will start be like, "What? I don't know. People of the same sex can do that." <laughs> right. Or like. Or like our fifth season when we talked about success, we view success differently nowadays、uh, than those in the past. Yeah, maybe somebody will say, "No, you shouldn't be proud because you just I don't know bought something from the market." But maybe you're proud of that. Maybe you finally found it. It's your favorite cookie, you know.、Mm-hmm. So the conclusion that by combining these three is that learning is a social process. It's More or less direct、um, with other humans, so we learn with people. I think you said that before that we need to learn from other people. Yeah, through social interactions. Yeah, and you know, most people start with peripheral activities、mm-hmm. and then take on more complex activities as they grow in confidence、mm-hmm. and you know learn more about it. And individuals will need to repeat actions to associate a reward. Or disapproval of their peers, so that they know how to correctly do something.、Mm-hmm. And you know, the last is people learn most and most profoundly when they are faced with a dilemma or something that changed their views. After the break, we're going to talk about different learning styles that most people seem to believe. 
But is it really true? Welcome back. Now we're going to talk about different learning styles. Um, so I actually saw this from a YouTube video by Veritasium. I'm not sure if I pronounced it right. It's a very, I think it's a very big channel. It has like 9 million subscribers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in one of his videos, he talked about this type of learning style about VARC. This is a very funky word, I know. <laughs> so VARC stands for visual, auditory, read and write, and kinesthetic. Basically indicating four types of learning style that people have. And it was first brought up by like a New Zealand education worker. And he found out that some good teachers doesn't have good response from the student. Mm -hmm. But some not so good teachers have great response from the students. And he thinks it's because the teacher matches the student's learning style so that students learn better. So for these different types of learners, they have different preferences or different strengths. Um, so for visual learners, they are best at, you know, information on a map, something on a chart, on a diagram, mm -hmm. and, you know, with different things like symbols, arrows, circles, or, you know, different hierarchies, you know, like those things that has like one thing and split into two. Oh, yeah. You know, it has like that kind of hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And it could kind of be called as graphic learners. Oh, mm -hmm. but visual learners does not really respond to pictures or photographs or like movies. Mm -hmm. And this type of learner also benefits from, you know, designs of this graph or white space, patterns, shapes, and different formats. And, you know, these things can highlight the information that's most important. Mm -hmm. So the next one is auditory learner. This kind of people or like this group of people, they prefer the information being heard or spoken. So our podcast listeners who likes to learn things through podcast or people who like to listen to audiobooks, you know, kind of a type of auditory learner. Oh, mm -hmm. this type of learner learns best from lectures, group discussion, radios, like we said, kind of like podcast, or, you know, just basically chatting with people. And this type of people can also benefit from speaking things out loud to other people or to themselves. Um, it's called oral learner. Mm -hmm. Also A, so it's in the same type, people with this preference would want to speak things out loud first. So if I have an idea, I would just speak them out loud first instead of writing them down or, you know, drawing a diagram. I'll just speak them out, just talk. Mm -hmm. So to sum up this type, they learn through talking and listening. And the next one, R, is read and write. So it's not that hard to understand. It's basically information that are words. So books, essays, research papers, all that could be a part of read and write. Mm -hmm. And you know, many people has this type of preference of reading text or writing text to learn. And this preference emphasize on text-based input and output. So input would be reading and output would be writing. Mm -hmm. So the next one is kinesthetic. 
This would refer to perceptual preference related to the use of experience and practice. So, in easier terms, this would be hands-on learners. This type of people learn best from doing things themselves. Mm-hmm. They just kind of take on things. So, if they're learning how to cook, some people are better at reading. You know, instructions like one line after line. Some people just cook many times to to learn how to do it. You know, just different types of people. This could be mixed or not. You know, you could be visual plus auditory mm-hmm. and different things. Mm-hmm. So there are a website called varklearn.com, and you can do like a test to see what type of learner you are. Oh, really? Yeah, I did that, and um, it was. I think the test was quite obvious of like what is what. Oh, mm-hmm. but you know, if you're interested, you can go do that. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to the video that I was talking about. So in the video, um, he talked about how this is actually not really proven to be correct because you know there are research that was done by different teams that they ask people their preferences, mm-hmm. and you know. Some people get their preference of learning. So if you're a visual learner, you get to do it the way you like it, and some people get the way that they're not good at. So if you're a visual learner, you will be maybe sent to a lecture instead of a reading thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they picked two kind of learners and mismatched the half half of each group to the type of learning style that they are not. Preferring okay, and the results come up that there are no difference. Oh, really? So if you're a visual learner, like you identify yourself as a visual learner, and you went to a lecture or you went to read a book, the results are the same or like not much difference. So in his video, he also went out on the street and asked people questions. So they, for example, ask if you're a visual learner. So if you're a visual learner, some of them. He read to them. Some of them, he showed them pictures, and he also got the same type of result. And some people got really high scores. And he asked them why. Those people use some strategies to help them remember things. So, for example, one person in the video created a story to help him remember different items in the list that he provided. Oh, mm-hmm. and. His conclusion was really interesting. He says that everyone would benefit from learning in many different modes. So maybe you have a diagram with some words beside it, and I totally agree because sometimes a diagram would just be very confusing, and you know, with a word next to it, I can understand it better.、Mm-hmm. You know, and on top of that, maybe I have a lecture about it. It would just be clearer for me. Yeah. So I think I don't really believe in this Fark model. I do see that you know there are certain preferences that we have, but it's not that influential, I'd say, in our learning.、Mm-hmm. I agree.、Um, in middle school, I think it was, we had to like memorize history and like geography and do math, right?、Mm-hmm. I mean, we still do, but yeah, <laughs> my mom would always. Make me like 
copy down the things that I've read, and she asks me to read it out loud while I rewrite the textbook, sort of. Like, I always hated that. Like, can I just not read the textbook in peace? <laughs> and mm-hmm. the sh- I guess she asked me to do that was to enhance my mem- memory by, like, you know, writing and reading it out loud and listening. I think it would help. Yeah, I think it helped a little bit, but it took longer. But yeah, I guess it helped. Yeah, so I guess our conclusion or like what the video conclusion was is that this VARC model is not completely true, but it's not like completely wrong either. It's just, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. So next week, we will be talking about how education will help people. Thank you for listening to this episode. We will upload a new episode every Thursday. Remember to like, follow, and share our podcasts with your friends and family. You could also share your idea and thoughts with us on our Instagram at teenup.podcast. You could also find us on YouTube, and we will be thrilled if you could subscribe and leave us a comment. Thank Thank you and bye. bye!